0: Good evening everyone. I'm Anne Marie Cronin and welcome to our live weekly medical show on 760 WJR. We're going to be talking about the prevention of disease and the urgency of taking action before the onset of serious medical problems. Dr. Brian Collins, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention, is here with us again to tell you what you need to know about how early screening and knowing your profile can lead to the avoidance of heart attack and stroke altogether. Pre-screening and simple non-invasive tests can actually prevent Alzheimer's and many other chronic diseases. If you have a question, we're opening up the lines and taking your calls, so please make a note of this number, 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. This is your chance to talk directly to the doctor. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. You're listening to 760... WJR. Welcome back, all of you listeners, to our live weekly medical show here on 760 WJR. I'm Anne-Marie Cronin, and we're back again tonight to talk to you about prevention and why you have to start looking at healthcare from a different perspective. Dr. Brian Collender, MD, is joining us from Birmingham, Michigan, to give us some hard talk about dealing with our health and making sure we get the necessary testing. We're inviting you to call in if you have a question at 800-859-0957. Again, that number is 800-859-0957. Dr. Collender, welcome back. It's always a pleasure to have you talking to the audience. There's always a lot that we need to know. Um, I just want to ask you one quick question before we start with the show. I've noticed an increase in people wearing masks. What is the big fear now? What, I mean, it just seems to me that everywhere I go now, more and more people are wearing masks.
1: I have no idea what people are afraid of. Um, but I don't think masks are a big deal. If you feel that you want to wear a mask to protect you from whatever virus is out there, then fine. You know, I don't know that's going to help. It certainly won't help against monkeypox because it's more skin to skin. That's what I'm wondering about. Is
0: is is this a COVID reaction, or are people misinformed and thinking that monkeypox is out there? They're from and to wear a mask. That's what I was thinking.
1: I'm not watching media that may be pushing people to fear. So, I don't really know what's driving these decisions, except that if someone feels that after all they went through with COVID, they want to wear a mask, then go ahead. That's their God-given right to do so. What I don't like that's going on, and I think we need to continue to talk about this, is we need to stop vaccinating children um, because, again... What age group are you talking about? All of them. I mean, I don't think we should be vaccinating anybody. So the fact... Are you talking that, about back to school, this
0: issue that's going on with children not being able to get back to school unless they're vaccinated? Yeah.
1: Okay. and and And... You know, we keep talking about that this will eventually place the COVID vaccines on the mandated childhood vaccine schedule, and, you know, it's that needs to be stopped. Um, and also, there's so many vaccines on there that are more for adults or people in high risk categories, and I never really paid attention to it until COVID, but let's just stick to the COVID vaccines. They just don't work anymore. The virus has achieved immune escape, meaning it doesn't matter if you've been vaccinated or you've had COVID, you are not immune. You're going to get it again. And there's Mm -hmm. some studies coming out from Iceland that suggest that people who've been vaccinated are at higher risk of COVID recurrence, of, you know, getting the omicron strains again and again not the unvaccinated but the vaccinated are high at risk Um, and specifically again i want to refer to my uh where i'm getting a lot of my information is from this youtube doctor he's a nurse educator from england john campbell Um, he's reviewing studies from thailand Mm -hmm. and the question he brings up which is why aren't prospective studies being done in the United States and even in the UK about w- adverse events from children. So in Thailand, they're recognizing that there are adverse events to a high degree. This isn't like rare adverse events. They are common adverse events. And the conclusion of the study is, well, these are minor and people recover. Well, Myocardial injury, heart muscle injury, is a common side effect for children. And I'm going to say children up to 18, which is what the study was. But we already know that children up to 40 years old are at risk for myocarditis from the various vaccines. And the number one cause of death in kids and young people is myocarditis. Not number one, but it's a high high Mm -hmm. cause of death. Mm So, it's like 20% of, of premature death is myocardial injury. And it's so, exacerbated by the vaccine. Right. Mm-hmm. Why would you give kids something that increases their risk of a common cause of death? And the fact that the government is not doing anything to stop this or do anything continues to be mind blowing. I mean, but who's
0: mandating the vaccines other than the government? That's it. Well, they're the mandating that. That's my point.
1: Yeah, so it's uh, it just, you know, what do we do? I mean, it feels like writing your senator and your representative seems to be like a total waste of time, but it's all we can do is write our, you know, the, our, our, the people who are representing us in our government and uh, make sure that they know that we don't want them to be promoting vaccines for children.
0: Well, I don't know that we, obviously, if kids are going back to school relatively soon and that's on the agenda that you have to prove, you know, when you you hand in those little slips to the school to get into the school and if you're not vaccinated, that's going to be a big kickback if kids are not able to get into school because of the vaccine mandate.
1: Well, sometimes you've got to make a decision about your health and put your health first. And those are things we promote all the time. You know, do things that improve your health. And I tell my patients that all the time. We need to allow time to chop vegetables and make sure you're doing the right kind of workouts and do the testing and make sure that your sleep is, uh, is protected. All these things are important. And another one of them now is make sure that you don't get drugs that don't have any benefit but have side effects that the government thinks you should be having.
0: And of course, we're talking about vaccines for children that are getting ready to go back to school, which is unnecessary. All right, now we have to take a quick break. Again, you're listening to our weekly live medical radio show where we keep you up to date on all medical solutions from dealing with COVID to avoiding catastrophic disease. We're here with Dr. Brian Collender, MD, talking about prevention. If you have a specific question and you would like to talk to the doctor directly about what you ought to do to prevent a reverse disease, please call us at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. You're listening to 760 WJR. Welcome back to our special live weekly medical show on 760 WJR. We're back again with Dr. Brian Collander, MD, internal medicine physician in Birmingham, Michigan. As a recognized leader in the field of catastrophic disease prevention, including heart attack, stroke, diabetes, and many chronic conditions, he's here tonight to give us some hard advice on what we need to do to avoid heart attack and stroke altogether. Through advanced and more sophisticated diagnostic technology, we are now able to arrest and reverse the progress of these silent killers. We're inviting listeners to call in with your questions at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. And Ashley, you have a caller. Yes, we have Greg calling from Shelby. Greg, what's your question?
2: Hey, you guys. Good evening, Mr. Positive. Got to ask you, Dr. Collender, is there an organization, once you make a diagnosis on somebody, that directs you and tells you what type of tests that you should run and that are, that are the most efficient I met somebody from Texas, and he's going to school, schools, and they are so short-staffed with these types of people. They're quitting. uh, They're retiring. Um, Is there an organization out there that helps direct you when you make a diagnosis as to what the next step is? Or is it all predicated upon the uh, doctor themselves?
1: You mean you think you're looking for a like national level organization like a national health care that would tell you what to do when you have a problem?
2: Yeah, I guess there's <laughs> something out of Texas, but I don't know if it's a national, but they help direct you when you make a certain diagnosis of maybe cancer. Or they will tell you that studies show that this would be the best remedy or the best modality. Um, And I guess it tells you um, percentage-wise which uh, therapy would be the most efficient predicated upon the uh, percentage of this is what we've seen to work. And they would give you an idea as to what maybe the next step.
1: In the near future, um, there will be in our companies that will have this information you know, through artificial intelligence. Uh, but right now, um, you've got to rely on your primary care doctor, refer you to a specialist to recommend a treatment for you. And as you already said, no matter where you are in the country, even in Texas, which has some of our best hospitals, you're at the mercy of a human who has to show up to work. And as we all know, Finding good help in the workplace is very difficult. Getting anyone to show up to work on time and care about their job is difficult. And um, we're all suffering from, and this is another unintended consequence of the of COVID and our government's total mishandling of the situation. They've made it so no one wants to work. And so uh, that is not, the medical field is not, Uh, you know is just as at risk as any retail business you know we're all dealing with consumers so right now that doesn't exist but um, I think in the near future there will be companies that you can put your information into a database and it will kick out what you should do where you should go and also you know what treatments you should get Um, but that's again near future Uh, not that's not far away
0: all right well Greg thank you for calling Uh, Ashley have another caller yes we have David calling from Windsor David what's your question
2: yes in regards doctor in regards to the masks on city mask wearing on city transportation public transportation as well as kids in schools and students in schools wearing masks don't you think that it would be worthwhile trying to get rid of all these masks, when we know that studies have shown that mask wearing doesn't help the cause whatsoever, doesn't help the actual respiratory, dif- res- doesn't help spread or transmission spread mm-hmm. the transmission at all. What can you suggest about that?
1: Well, I agree with you 100%, but I also think that the fight to fight you know, is against vaccinations. And, and I understand that if you're a regular uh, user of public transportation, you don't want to wear a mask, which I wouldn't want to either. And if you've got a child in school and they have to wear a mask, I'd be very upset about that. But the real place to put our energies is to stop kids and anybody being mandated to be vaccinated for any reason at all when they've not proven that these vaccines are safe or effective so to me that's the, the place to put the energy not on a mask because there's only so many fights you can fight and wins you can get hope to get um, it's much more important not to get a drug that um, you know may cause you problems down the road and leaves you more at risk for having uh, a a, vaccine, a viral infection So,
0: yeah, David, thanks for calling. So, Dr. Collander, moving on from, you know, the COVID dilemma, which continues to still be an umbrella over our head, um, can you give us some updates on what's new in your practice and what you're finding out?
1: Well, yeah, I just wanted to talk again about last week on the show. We had a caller who participated in the uh, CIMT sweepstakes, and he called the office again. We talked more about this on the Sunday show um, but I thought we should just talk more about it, which is he's flabbergasted this person who is the highest risk person that we saw from the sweepstakes, which I would say is high risk for anybody. He had a he had a high risk CIMT finding. And it doesn't mean he has a risk for having a blockage and he needs a stent or a bypass. It means he's at risk for plaque rupture, which is what the event that leads to heart attack and stroke, And that needs to be managed medically, not by an operation, um, because it doesn't qualify for a procedure based on the traditional measurements and and, uh, markers, uh, guidelines. So, you know, this person, um, he has had contact with multiple cardiologists regarding his irregular heartbeat. He was screened for vascular disease based on our current standard screening process, which is looking for stenosis. And unfortunately, if you're only looking for a severe blockage, the tests do not have the resolution of identifying risk for sudden death or chronic disease. So he could not get over the fact that, how did his doctors uh, miss this? And I don't understand how someone who listens to the show all the time can't figure out that his doctors missed it because they all miss it. None of them are screening for prevention. They're screening you for surgery, which means you have end-stage disease. Why is anyone who listens to the show anymore surprised that a traditional doctor didn't identify their risk? That I don't understand at all. Like, you're listening or are you not listening?
0: I mean, it's pretty amazing that this was just a random listener who happened to be tuned into the show, heard you talking about sweepstakes to come in and and get the CIMT. He called, he got on the list, he came in. I was there the day that you had all these patients coming in, the listeners, I should say, coming in for the CIMT. And he has already got a history of having been through his PCP and several cardiologists. And then he's completely gobsmacked when he gets the results of the CIMT and finds out that he is one of the worst people that you did the test on?
1: Well, it, you don't need to compare. It's just, it, to me, it's an absolute number. Um, you know, the number's high, you high risk. If the fact that everyone else that day was a lower risk is it good for them. But that doesn't mean that people at lower risk are done. They still need to screen for sleep apnea, They need to recognize whether or not they have insulin resistance and because those conditions can be there even if they're not impacting your arteries and they can't be ignored. Absolutely.
0: Well, right now we're going to have to take a quick break. Again, you're listening to a special live medical broadcast on the prevention and medical management of disease. If you have a specific question and you'd like to talk to the doctor directly about what you need to do, To avoid heart attack and stroke, or you have a question on any of the subjects we're discussing tonight, please give us a call at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. You're listening to 760 WJR. Welcome back to our special live medical broadcast on News Talk 760 WJR. We are fortunate to have Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention, here tonight to give us some straight talk about two important topics, prevention and being proactive. Please tune in to our weekly shows Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. and live Thursday at 7. We're inviting you to call in with your questions and talk to the doctor directly at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Dr. Colander. Coming back to our discussion about the broken health care system. Let's continue this discussion and tell the audience, the listeners what they need to know.
1: Well, you know, we, and during the break, I asked Anne-Marie if she's seen dope sick, you know, which we just finished at home, my wife and I, and she's seen it a few times. You I watched said. it like three times. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And even though it's an extreme story, but it's true, it's a hundred percent true, but it's an extreme version. I, I'm not down. I don't mean to downplay it. It. It's a great example of all the barriers that we are all dealing with to getting what's the right thing. And again, I don't want to give away any plot points for people who haven't watched it yet, but you know, you can imagine by listening to the show that every level involves some corruption that favors the pharmaceutical company so a inferior product gets to your shelves and is prescribed by your doctor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it goes from the DEA, the FDA, um, the government in terms of legislators, Mm -hmm. senators, um, the Department of Justice. Mm -hmm. They were all infiltrated by the pharmaceutical company. Mm-hmm. To continue selling this product that mm-hmm. kills people, and you know, obviously, I'm you know, while I'm talking, I'm going, well, what else could that be, be similar to? Well, it's these COVID vaccines. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's not that bad because it didn't get everybody hooked on heroin, basically.
0: Yeah, well, but, you know, dope sick was all about uh, the oxycontin yeah, epidemic,
1: right? And so. But I think that it's, it's a, it emphasizes, when we're talking about why people can't get prevention, why people can't get the kind of care they need, why they can't get access that they need, why are we all forced to go to urgent care when we can't see our PCP, why can't our PCP see us, why is there, you know, all of these questions that we deal with every week. And the answer is, the system is broken and you're all being sold out for money at every level. At every level and it's just scary as can be um, that you know what can you do when your elected officials are paid for
0: I think what I took away from seeing that series dope sick was the fact that here were all these physicians who felt as though they were giving their patients a treatment for pain that worked that was not addictive And that didn't have any danger points and that it continued on and continued on and continued on until it got so out of control that so many people were dying from addiction to the medication. And so it makes you stop and take a pause and think about the fact that, well, you know, we're kind of sort of trusting blindly that the FDA and the government is not going to let anything pass down to the level of the provider down to the level of the doctor who's writing the prescription for the medication so that when we pick up a medication that an MD is signed off on, we don't think we have anything to worry about. I mean, that trust is absolutely put in the doctor who is relying on the FDA and the government above you to make sure that it's a safe medication. And that's pathetic to realize
1: that that was not the case. Well, it should come to no surprise that... The reason these uh, the FDA is in a reactive position is two reasons. One is they're regulating a drug that's brought to them, so they're they're in a they're inherently by their mandate and existence react. You know they're they're in a they're in a position where they're re- in reactionary. There's no proactive. It's it's a drug was brought to me. And they just need to determine that it's effective to the degree that they've been told by the by the studies and that it's safe to the degree that they've been told.
0: But there were no studies.
1: Well, what we see in that, you know, what we learn is that to the to, if you work in the FDA, every pharma company is a potential future employer. And why would you upset as an FDA employee A potential future employer and the odd idea is frightening Uh it's absolutely scary i mean we know it yet when you see it it's kind of shocking Uh yet that's it they're all they're all interviewing and meeting a potential future boss when they're reviewing a drug from a company and deal and talking to the heads up of 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 a any one of these pharma companies.
0: It's kind of amazing, though, that there wasn't some kind of investigation into what the Purdue said was the, you know, the, the, it had been verified, it had been checked out, it was, you know, it was a safe drug when, in fact, nobody up above at the FDA or the DEA was doing anything about checking out to see whether or not the drug was, in fact, safe. And I don't know. I don't know the figures on how many people died. But a lot. hundreds
1: and hundreds of thousands, hundreds
0: of thousands of people died.
1: Yeah, at least 400,000. Yeah, you're and right. then, and then all 000. the people that survived who were addicted mm-hmm. and ruined their lives, their family, their jobs, mm-hmm. um, and all for money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and these people knew it, so it's uh, and they're not in jail, none of them are in jail. The company's gone. You know, Mm -hmm. the, the, they, that was part of their judgment. Mm -hmm. Um, The company lost billions, Mm -hmm. but the, the people, the family that ran it, they're still living the large life and they're all, they're still billionaires. So unfortunately those people did not go to jail and who protected them from that is the government protected the owners of the company, the executives. Um, And it's, you know, just more and more what's wrong with our system. And there are ways out, which means as a patient, as a consumer, you listeners need to leave the system because the system that we're operating under is broken and corrupt at every level. So if you want to find adequate health care from a free-thinking, independent doctor, you've got to leave the system and find someone who isn't beholden to the Blue Cross or other insurances or the, what the FDA says is the right thing to do because it's all wrong otherwise.
0: But that's not an easy task for the average listener or the average patient to do. I mean, that's like you know, climbing up the, ins, you know, the inside of a mountain. I mean, you know, they, they don't know where to begin to look for the right care. And now we have to worry about the government approving medications that could be deadly. It's like that's their
1: job. Well, you know, going back to this patient who called last week, here is someone who did find some information to identify his risk. He was advised of the risk, and he still can't wrap his mind around the idea that all the doctors he's been seeing up to this point in his life couldn't identify the risk, and so much so that he can't move forward. He's paralyzed with the how come this wasn't found before, how come my three or four cardiologists and PCPs didn't identify this, and they all told me I'm I don't have an a artery issue? Well, get over it. You know you've got it's there to be found. We're here on the radio telling you what to do. You just got to go do it, and and stop listening to your doctor telling you you're okay when you're obviously have no idea. You might be, but you have no idea.
0: I would imagine that most patients are gobsmacked by this and the thought that that they have to now question whether or not the medication they're swallowing or the recommendations that their doctor's giving or the tests that they're not getting, it's inadequate care. Let's come back and talk about this some more on the other side of the break. You are listening to a special live broadcast tonight where the topic is your health and how to prevent disease. When we come back, if you have a specific question on the subject we're discussing. And you would like to talk to the doctor directly, please call us at 800-859-0957. Again, that number is 800-859-0957. You're listening to 760 WJR. Welcome back to the final segment of our special weekly live broadcast here on 760 WJR on the importance of being proactive and informed of the resources available to prevent and treat chronic and debilitating disease. You're listening to the expert advice of Dr. Brian Colander, MD, internal medicine physician, and one of the very few specialists in prevention in this country. If you have a question for the doctor, now is your chance to call us at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Since this is our last segment, Ashley, I'm passing it on to you. You have a caller? Yes, we have John calling from Oscoda. John, what's your question?
3: Hi, we're calling about hives.
1: Okay. Anything specific about hives?
3: Yes. We have a chronic itching issue, and uh, we're not sure if it's skin-related or what we could do to help relieve the symptoms.
1: Well... Again, I'm going to give you my CYA answer first, which is, you know, make sure you see a dermatologist that this isn't some representation of something dangerous. Um, you know, my, the holistic answer is that skin manifestations are often representing a gut health issue. And if you clean your diet up and avoid inflammatory foods, um, You may see improvement in skin issues. Uh, uh, It doesn't hurt to go and get testing for food immune tolerances, which is different from food allergies. Uh, But that might help, um, you know, identify some foods to avoid. But in general, choosing inflammatory foods is better. Thank you for calling. Thank you for
0: calling. Next, uh, Ashley, who do you have?
1: Mary calling from Commerce. Mary, what's your question? Hi,
0: thanks for this show.
3: I love it. Um, I just got my blood work, for my annual blood work back, and I was just curious in your feeling. I have, uh, I have always had really low blood pr- pressure, like 105 over 60, and, you know, I exercise all the time, but my cholesterol, the total is 250. My triglyceride is 61. My HDL is 101, but my LDL is 137. Do you think I should try a statin? I don't want to be on statins for the rest of my life.
1: Well, Mary, um, nothing about a lipid measurement tells you anything about your risk. So you need to identify whether or not you have plaque. And so um, if you have plaque in your arteries, then you need a statin. It doesn't matter anything what your lipids are. In fact, I practically don't check lipids in my practice anymore they don't guide therapy for me so um, get a corner artery calcium score one because you can uh, it's simple it's 100 bucks get your doctor to write your script If your score is over 10 then you need to be on a statin um, and if your score is zero you know you should get a CMT anyway because the CMT gives you data. That identifies progress that you can follow, because once you get the CAT scan, that you know getting another CAT scan doesn't help you. unless it's zero, then get another CAT scan three, four years to see if you've developed plaque. But the CMT gives you data that's important to follow your progress. So identify the disease, that's what we're treating, not your cholesterol.
0: All right, thank you for calling. We have another caller, Ashley? Yes, we have Lorraine calling from Port Huron. Lorraine, what's your question? Uh, well, I'm kind of
3: I'm calling with regard to the discussion about um, uh, kind of the disempowerment of people when they get a diagnosis that Guy called for about Texas. And having called you folks about two years ago with a diagnosis of cancer, one of the things that I had to do was surround myself with people who would help me make good decisions on my journey, because this is not a journey I ever thought I would have been on. Um, And if you can't get the answers from your doctor, then I started doing research. And one of the tools that seemed to work for me was a book called The Prescription for Nutritional Healing, which seemed to provide a really nice balance between traditional medicine and other modalities. Um, are you familiar with that? Is that something that you might suggest to people to help empower them as they go through this journey?
1: Well, thank. I'm sorry you're going through this and thanks for calling to let us know and follow up. Um, I'm always offering, I will say alternative measures for treating every disease. So, um, we do not that book specifically, but, um, all my cancer patients, uh, are being advised to you know optimize their lifestyle. Um, and I don't do you know supplements to that degree, uh, but I can refer people to other um, holistic doctors that do supplements if that's what they're looking for. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a big part of it that is entirely ignored by the overall healthcare care system.
0: Well, thank you for calling. So, Dr. Collender, we have a few minutes left. What do the listeners need to know?
1: Well, I'm going to go back to the second caller of this group, Mary, who had the lipid question. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, when she's describing her lipids, she's got a very high HDL, which is a good cholesterol. And I'm going to say 90, 999 out of 1,000 doctors would tell her she'll never have a heart problem because she has a high HDL and don't worry about it. And unfortunately, as we've talked about on the show, I have patients with great HDLs and they still have plaque. Mm -hmm. It all comes down to disease identification. You've got to identify the disease that we're treating and treat it and not measure the secondary markers that mean nothing. So our whole healthcare system is based on treating your LDL number when it's a useless piece of data. Now I will say statins, which have the benefit of lowering the LDL, um, do seem to have some benefit. And there are a group of people that if they just took a statin, then that reduces their risk and they don't need to do a single other thing. But that's not going to work for all of you. That's a, You know, maybe 20%, 25% of the population will have that benefit, and there's no way to predict who you are. You've got to measure your data and identify the disease and follow it. But you cannot listen to your doctor when they go, well, don't worry about it. You have a high HDL. You'll never have a problem. You know, we've had had that on the show all day long. People who have been told something like that for whatever reason, and guess what? They have plaque, and they're at risk.
0: Thank you for calling. What kind of patient profile gets prescribed statins? What, what is the profile of the patient that should be on statins? And my second question is, is that, is that a medication they're going to be on forever? Is it a curative medication or is it something that just helps you to stay solvent as you're moving through the disease?
1: Well, in the traditional world, prevention is based on a formula that pro- mostly is based on the statin. Um, And, of course, we know that's failing miserably. In my practice, if you have plaque, then we prescribe a statin. It has nothing to do with your lipids. Mm -hmm. And then how long or what doses you need to be on is based on the markers that we follow over time. Mm -hmm. You know, so people go, well, should I be on aspirin or not? You know, we've had whole shows about aspirin, and my decisions on aspirin for each patient can change quarter to quarter, year to year based on the markers that we check. Mm-hmm. Their risk goes up, they go on statin, it goes down, we stop it.
0: What we're taking from this is that listeners need to get this, the test that you that you provide in order to get a correct diagnosis. Unfortunately, we're out of time, so I'd like to quickly thank Dr. Brian Collander, MD, Specialist in Prevention for being here tonight and for being willing to share his expertise and knowledge with regards to not only the prevention of disease, but also on the importance of being proactive and engaging with a practice that provides access to the necessary testing. This show is brought to you by Colander Medical. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we hope you got some useful information tonight on how to be your own advocate and take charge of your health, whatever your medical journey. Please continue to tune in to our show Sunday afternoon at 3 Thursday evening at 7 for the latest medical updates. And thanks for listening to 760 WJR. Good night and be well.
1: Opinions heard in the preceding program are those of the host and guests and not those of Cumulus Media or WJR Radio.